Hello, Matt. <laughs> I just started the recording. Cool. Hello. Hello. This is probably like the, the least talking we've done before pressing record before. Uh, over the week, even. Yeah. Yeah, that too. <laughs> I have to say, uh, I mean, we're. I just mentioned it, but uh, there's, uh, there's like some work going on in the condo above us. So uh, uh, there's probably going to be some hammering and other annoying noises over the next hour nice. or so. Yeah. Nice. I remember there was one company that I worked at where uh, in in Montreal the uh, the leases expire on on the same day, uh, right? On the same day for like every <laughs> every apartment rental, every business rental, province wide, <laughs> on the same day. Um, so weird. <laughs> yeah, they don't they don't do month to month for some reason. Um, so we got to a point where they were like renovating the next building they were planning on moving into, but they didn't finish the renovations in time. So they had no choice, but to move us all over there uh, while the renovations were still going on. That was a a pleasant working experience, having people like using jackhammers and stuff. I've, I've had a little bit of that. Yeah. I was, uh, I got a new job and there was no, um, there was no office space left, literally zero. Uh, and so they put me in the same room as the people actually building like hardware devices. And so they were like using yeah. Dremels all day and everything. <laughs> brutal, brutal. I imagine uh, that, that nobody thought to like give you like a, a, a respiratory mask either. I, yeah, I got nothing. I would have appreciated at least like, I don't know, earplugs or something. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty they 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 actually did that. At, um, I worked at um, Doctor D Studios uh, uh, for the production of Happy Feet Two, and uh, the visual effects department was separated with some curtains between uh, the motion caption studio, motion capture studio. So we had people dancing to like "Under Pressure" by David Bowie <laughs> and Queen for like like 70 decibels for like four or five weeks. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, the, so <laughs> the days before work from home, right? <laughs> they, we, we were lucky in that the, the studio gave us all uh, noise canceling headphones, but we were luck unlucky in that those noise canceling headphones basically did nothing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> yeah so so i i worked during that time frame with like those yellow earplugs that you could get from a pharmacy like i'd, I'd wear yeah. those with the headphones on top playing at full volume oh man <laughs> that sounds brutal <laughs> i so the last office i worked in um it it wasn't bad for noise but it was kind of on uh it wasn't a busy street but it was like there was enough car traffic and I don't know what it was with that building. It kind of freaked me out, but it would shake constantly, especially like Mm -hmm. if like a bunch of cars drove by, it would just shake. Yeah. And that was to me way worse than noise. Cause I don't know. I like get like motion sick easily. And it's, I don't know. It freaked me out. Cause I'm on like the ninth floor. Like is the building going to topple or something? Like it was, it was weird. When I say shake too, I don't mean like, you know, like a vibration. Like if someone's doing a jackhammer in the next room, it's like, it's like, I don't know. Um, really like, high frequency like it was more like yeah. swaying almost. low frequency like, ooh, 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 ooh. like like yeah. like like those fun uh swaying feelings that you get during an earthquake up top in Vancouver. yeah 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 exactly the the, <laughs> um, the boat on the water sensation yeah 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 the, the first time i i remember that uh like i i was in earthquakes in san francisco when i lived there but we were only on i think either the second or third floor yeah and and it was like i mean you were obviously in an, in an earthquake but it didn't really feel like much yeah um whereas i think i was on the 27th floor in vancouver mm-hmm. and that was like when that happens and and like everything kind of feels like jello and you're just kind of like well uh there's no such thing as like an emergency exit from this. <laughs> this is like, I hope everything's okay. Yeah. I, all those buildings in Vancouver that are like really tall and skinny or like, I mean, there's that famous one that's like skinny at the bottom and fat at the top. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I mean, I imagine it's gone through all the, the um, right inspections and whatever, but something about that just terror. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, okay. So I live in Seattle and like we've, we've bought, houses here we bought a house in the city 
And there's a lot of old houses here. I mean, like built in like 1900, built in 1940, that kind of thing. And yeah. like there's like brick houses or just these houses that were built before anyone knew that there was even earthquakes in the area. And I don't know. I just find that really terrifying because obviously they've, uh, you know, they've improved the the codes so that modern houses have to be built to more strict earthquake standards. But these ones that were built like in this in whatever, right, like the 30s or something, like I have absolutely no faith that they're not going to fall down. And like I remember the city did this sweeping like um, survey of all the buildings to assess just like generally how safe buildings were. It was commercial buildings, though. It wasn't houses. But um, they found like like most of the schools are almost guaranteed to collapse in on themselves when the giant earthquake hits. Um, all these yeah. like down, like two thirds of downtown or something, just like these crazy, crazy, crazy numbers. And of course we're like terrified of this. Um, I mean, I don't know, I guess we, we seem to have a heightened uh, uh, awareness or like uh, sensitivity to the idea of an earthquake happening compared to like everyone else around here. Who's just like, whatever, la la la. And like yeah. when we were looking for houses, a realtor, like I, I'd be asking because he'd be showing us these like old houses and we're like, oh, well, we, we say like, what about earthquakes? He's like, ah, just, you know, whatever, just bolt it down or just, just, you know, it's really, <laughs> this is fine, la, la, la. And I remember thinking like, okay, like people just don't care about earthquakes. It's crazy. And like, no. I just, yeah, I had a coworker um, that like I've been talking, I, I've been ta like saying this kind of thing to my coworkers for quite a while, like, oh, earthquakes, no one here cares, la, la, la. And like after having this conversation with people, I mean, you know, it's not like I'm some expert who cares. I guess people just disregard what I say, but I've been going on and on and on yeah. about it. And my coworker just bought a fixer upper built in 1900. And I'm just like, you know, okay. But, but I would be terrified personally. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I don't, I don't have much of a, much confidence in being able to survive what mother nature throws at me. Um, <laughs> I, I I feel like it makes sense to try to avoid living in in the danger zones. Yeah, right. Uh, I was uh, I was reading <laughs> I was reading about um, the uh, the asteroid that killed the dinosaurs. Yeah, I forget what exactly it said, but it basically said like every single spot on Earth would have a magnitude ten earthquake or something. <laughs> I'm thinking, okay. I mean, like pretty much. I, I don't know what what area exactly i don't remember the numbers but you know i imagine the tsunami that was generated from that would just like wipe entire like countries worth yeah. of area out too so that, that's what caused uh continental shift to start yeah right that's it right that, that, that's not an actual fact that's just my hilarity oh, i know i know I uh <laughs> yeah uh, it's it's weird because like i mean i went to italy a few years ago for vacation and I don't know. That's that's like something that just went through my head. It's like I wanted to go to to Pompeii, mm -hmm. and it's like you know Pompeii destroyed part of the world <laughs> when it erupted. Mm -hmm. uh, it's it's not likely that's going to happen while I'm there, but it's something that does happen, and and I feel like it's it's weird that I it crosses my mind when I'm going there for like a week long vacation, but like all the people that live in the area are just like completely fine with it. <laughs> I always wonder, it's like probably like if you like, we're, we're transient people. We just show up yeah. in some place and leave. And of course we think about those things. If you've grown up in this area, it's just home. It's just that nothing has ever happened. La la la. Right. Like you didn't worry about it the first 15 years of your life. Why would you worry about it now? There's probably kind of like the, a bit of that attitude. I imagine, yeah. but I'm the same. I worry about every little thing. Totally. I'm trying to look it up right now. Cause I remember, Oh yeah. April, 2011 here. Uh, unlucky honeymoon couple encounter several natural disasters. Uh, when Stefan and Erika Svanström and their baby daughter Eleanor left Sweden for a four-month honeymoon, they did not expect to encounter a host of natural disasters. As they traveled from Europe to Bali, Australia, and then New Zealand and Japan, they experienced a blizzard, a cyclone, flooding, a bushfire, the aftermath of two earthquakes, and a nuclear disaster. Jeez. <laughs> it's like... I mean... I a mean, little ominous. <laughs> It's yeah. it, it, it it was like the knowledge of that couple that like puts that thought into my head that like you know I should be aware of like 
if if there's volcanic eruption warnings and stuff like you know th- there will don't be warnings there. like yeah. be aware of them don't just like go on vacation tune all, all that stuff out yeah yeah well i mean japan of course is famous for earthquakes and stuff but they have like all these yeah. little tiny islands that just kind of dot the the like you, you can kind of yeah, draw yeah. a line north to south and like there's just this string of islands um and even like kind of south of the whole country and they're yeah. tiny and to me it's like that's so terrifying like if a tsunami came everyone like of course like you just have to yeah. be so conscious of tsunamis and there's like the, the the highest point on that island where everyone would go but you have to restart your life afterwards if, yeah. if it wipes you know your town out even like hawaii like there's a tsunami risk right and you're sitting there on the beach yeah. and looking around and it's like i don't know there's not I, you've, have you been to hawaii yeah well i went to big island yeah okay well awesome i mean we just went to honolulu the boring tourist trap option i guess but like uh we were just on this beach and there's no obvious high point you could go to if there's a tsunami warning right uh maybe big island or other areas of hawaii uh are okay but still like that kind of like little island in the pacific to me is yeah (laughs) worrisome (laughs) yeah big we we stayed at a hotel you know uh maybe a hundred feet away from the the water Uh, but yeah that was definitely something that we were aware of is that like i mean they do lots of uh, coffee plantations and stuff on big island and like there are there is elevation there that island's kind of neat because it's got almost every climate on earth like no neat. there's an observatory up on top of uh, the mountain there names escaping me let me look it up here Uh, mountain big island Hawaii, Mauna Kea, I think. Uh, it's like uh, it's a dormant volcano on the island of Hawaii. Its peak is uh, four kilometers above sea level. Um, and we were we were going to go up to the observatory while we were there. Um, they've got like special lights all over the island to help reduce light pollution and, mm. and stuff. Um, and we went, I think, in either february or march and we got really really bad sunburns the first day that we were there because we didn't think to bring sunscreen because we're dummies (laughs) um but our trip up the mountain was canceled due to a snowstorm yeah wow (laughs) (laughs) yep um i forget where i was going before i i derailed into that um but uh, yeah, though no, just like there are elevation changes there, and there are uh, postings to say like get above this elevation mm-hmm, yeah. here for for tsunami warnings. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Whereas like, I don't think uh, actually, I don't think the west coast of like the Pacific Northwest. I forget. Maybe Portland is at risk, and then some of the like mm. like relatively un like less populated areas. Uh, like not saying I don't care or whatever, but um, like I think Seattle and uh, Vancouver are actually not really at high risk of tsunami just because like the, yeah. the geography, like um, like the like Vancouver Island will take the brunt of yeah. it. And then, yeah. And like um, also like the Olympic Peninsula for, for Seattle. Yep. Um, but even like if you lived on the Olympic Peninsula or on the Vancouver Island, I doubt there's too much. Uh, uh, maybe they, maybe people are conscious and thinking about it i don't know i mean yeah well okay so i i i I, I, I used to work in uh uh richmond and richmond in like south of vancouver um suburb south of vancouver i know you know but um richmond it's like the whole area is like i forget if it's like at sea level or below sea level or a half a meter above sea level or just something right and then the nature of the the soil there it's like it'll just basically liquefy when there's a yeah when there's a, uh if there's a major earthquake so yeah. you can expect very possibly some sort of tsunami and liquefaction and still it's like packed chock full with like bazillion dollar houses and like yeah. the, the company i was working at was i think like a two-story building i just remember thinking like okay i guess i could stand on the roof and it's like just all flat lands <laughs> you look out and i was just like man if if the huge earthquake happens while i'm in this building i don't know i guess it, am i safer like in my downtown 17th floor home i, I have no idea right yeah yeah so. yeah I've, I've got an article from uh the daily hive december 2020 um that's because that's always something that I found weird about Vancouver is just like it's it's the same sort of thing that I was describing with Italy where like people live in this danger zone and they're just like 
no thought whatsoever as to like getting out or I don't know. Yeah. Well, people, um, I, I, sorry to anyone in, in Richmond, but personally I would be hesitant to buy a, like, <laughs> I don't know, invest in property there, I guess. Buy, buy the most expensive real estate in North America. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Build my castle there. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I, I don't know. It's, like that's that's literally what it is like there's a, a article like from a week or more ago like vancouver is the most uh expensive real estate in north america expensive uh, in oh, terms of like local purchasing power yeah uh, a week ago not like a decade ago and then onward like i mean it's just to me yeah. always been crazy yeah yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> But, it, but it's like, meanwhile, like this article I'm reading, it's like, uh, in a newly released study, researchers state the anticipated shaking is underestimated as it does not account for the amplification of ground motion that can be expected in the Georgia sedimentary basin, which is commonly described as jello-like layers of <laughs> river and glacial sediments over sedimentary bedrock. Yeah, it's, I'm, it's interesting to me, such an article comes out, and well, if I was the government, I'd... I, what would you do? I don't know. Like, okay, now we all know, or now that there's now people are talking about it, but they're really not, right? Like, if you were in Vancouver, yeah. no one knows or has heard of it or thinks about it yeah. or probably read the article, and yeah. yet someone's releasing an article saying, "By the way, we're all dead." Not, not only have we all been <laughs> estimating that this is as bad as it could be when this happens, but it's actually worse <laughs> than we thought. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, yeah, yeah, man, yeah. Well, it's funny because yeah. I remember seeing uh, someone wrote an article about um, like they, I guess, I, I don't know how they do these studies exactly, but they were simulating the estimated economic impact of earthquakes in different areas. Yeah. Uh, and they didn't, like they put, they they did it over the whole world as if you could have like a magnitude nine earthquake anywhere. Like there could be one in Nova Scotia or something, you know what I mean? So you yeah. just get a map of like, like if a, an enormous earthquake happened right here, the economic losses, that, that's all they, I mean, I don't know. Yeah. You could do the same thing for human life, of course, but it was about economic losses specifically. And it's like, it's like a heat map of where um, the worst possible locations to have huge earthquakes could be. And they lined up pretty well with like, where earthquakes happen <laughs> like it's just ridiculous <laughs> like tokyo was one of the big ones san francisco was the other really big one yeah where we are or where i am i guess geez uh in the pacific northwest was uh, another one of the really big ones <laughs> areas of china yeah. where they actually do have earthquakes it's just like i mean i know like humans didn't like x hundred years ago say where are the earthquakes let's avoid those spots i, <laughs> I get it right but still it's just like what a mess i don't know i mean maybe maybe you know tens of thousands of years ago they were all like you know what this is the place that it's most likely that god is paying attention to us because why shakes. would they be why would they be creating all this disaster if, if we weren't angering them we, I, we gotta we gotta go there and try to make them happy and would you be, be at all surprised <laughs> at all surprised? no no that that feels like it's it's actually plausible yeah <laughs> god is paying attention to you I thought yeah. earthquakes were God being angry, or was that thunderstorms? I don't know. Oh, it depends on the religion. I'm yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah. Maybe it's uh, a good thing. The, the, the earthquake worshiping cults <laughs> founded <Sorry>. Vancouver. <laughs> so, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, speaking of natural disasters, have you ever uploaded anything to YouTube and had it copyright striking? have you yes you have really i have not I, actually i i don't know how their terminologies uh, terminologies changed over the years I, I don't know if i've officially got any strikes hmm. but you had a I, copyright takedown notice yeah yeah back back in the day uh so so this is uh trying to merge not so subtly into the topic that i, I was hoping to discuss today um I guess to head that off, I'm, I'm going to play a video and we're going to see whether or not we get a copyright strike on our YouTube video <laughs> for playing a YouTube video about a copy strike. <laughs> um, Do it. <laughs> 
In December 2020, YouTube I, deleted I, one of I love that part with the cello. Due to complex security issues, I, YouTube is an unfair place where, when you appeal a strike decision, the judge reviewing the appeal will be the person who issued the strike. We've been fighting and we succeed to get Hall's moving Castellito back. It came with a price and we've been lucky our community helped us. We also realized that such a strike can happen again at any time, which makes YouTube an unsafe place for us. So if YouTube didn't like our Ghibli video, we decided to fight fire with fire. We just released a crowdfunding campaign on Indiegogo where you can get our full album dedicated to Ghibli music. Of course, including for the first time on a CD, Ovation of Mary Around the Fly from Holt's Moving Castle. It is our biggest project ever, an album that we've been preparing secretly for months, and if you want to support it, you have 30 days. This campaign is a fight. It's a fight for independence, a campaign as a revenge against YouTube algorithm and copyright policies. So we prepared, we invested, we gave everything we had so you can get a 60 minutes album dedicated to Ghibli music. Digipack, double LP, limited and number, collector vinyl, 12 original videos, a book with your name printed in God of Letters, all that for only 30 days, a fight where you are the key. It is never comfortable to stand like that in front of a camera and ask for your support. But more than Especially financing this winter. album, we want to create a new era for precise stretch goals that will finance our future. Some of the rewards are in extremely limited number and available only for the duration of this campaign until the 2nd of November. Ultimately, it will be the only opportunity for you to write your name in this fight. Thank you. Okay, so, uh, quick, what are your thoughts, Matt? <laughs> well, I, I, I know I, your initial I, reaction seemed to be just annoyance at how they pronounce <laughs> Ghibli. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I, if I'm honest, I, I want to know the story. I mean, like, who, like, is it simply YouTube? like without asking any questions grabbing their video away or is it studio ghibli themselves saying hey we saw this let's i would imagine YouTube. it's ghibli so uh, it, yeah so youtube's got like an algorithm they, they don't have like staff manually trolling the billions of videos like they it's they, there's algorithms and the the people that own the copyright such as probably studio ghibli itself in this case or or maybe the uh whoever they have responsible for their publisher mm -hmm. they would have just had like a, a robot that trolls youtube and, and issues takedowns um i would i would expect i i honestly haven't made the effort to <laughs> to look deeper into this particular case um but there i've seen various levels of this mm -hmm. typically what happens is um, like a record label, uh, if I've put up something by like Joe Satriani, for example, mm -hmm. um, I think uh, EMI will like put a copyright claim on it, and then I'm not allowed to put any advertising on it. Okay, which yeah. which seems fair to me. Um, you can't make money I, off of. I can't make money off of it. I don't. I don't know if they in particular do this, but other companies might make it so that there will be an ad placed on the video and they will get the it's revenue there. from it. Yeah. Um, and then there's other people who don't like to play ball at all. And they say, this is mine. Remove this video. You're infringing my copyright. And on those rare circumstances where that happens, you get what's known as a copyright strike. And if you get three copyright strikes on YouTube, then your account is banned. I see. So yeah. for for people like this who who are doing like music covers or or um, you know, if the angry mm -hmm. Nintendo nerd has a, a copyright strike because he's doing Castlevania playthroughs or something, yeah, then that can remove like a decade worth of content. Yep. Yep. Uh, I mean, <laughs> I mean, I, I'm, I'm just a consumer here. Of course, for me, yeah, it yeah, sucks. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know exactly what the specific nature of the fair use, um, laws are like, uh, I wonder like, 
I guess my uh, not defending you two, but like, what mm-hmm. what position are they in? Like, uh, like if if yeah, they're probably protecting their own interests, perhaps very much overzealously here. Um, or I I don't know if interests is the right word, but like, yeah, they could be brought to court if someone says, "Hey, uh, someone on your platform is is uh, whatever break you know using our stuff that we have that copyright," and yeah. YouTube just says, "Eh." So I imagine they would mm-hmm. kind of like. Uh, lean on the side of uh, uh, excessive removal of stuff that has a copyright claim against it. It's yeah, I mean, like interesting. Every, every, I, I imagine these big tech companies learned a little bit of lessons from Napster, right? <laughs> right. Man, ancient history. Wow. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, uh, I, I don't really uh, know also what the process is. Like the, the way they describe it, it sounds unfair, of course. And then also yeah. like... I've, I've heard of many people having these issues where like YouTube will just remove a video that very obviously um, falls under fair use laws and, and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And then it's like this big fight to get it back and it takes all their time and it hurts their business. And then of course, once the video is back, it's like it's deranked or something, right? And it's like disruptive to their business. Mm-hmm. And it's weird to me, I guess, not only just the copyright stuff, like I'm not trying to change the topic, but like you look at kind of just how the YouTube algorithm works and stuff. It feels like, like YouTube is what it is. I guess it's just not really this free platform so much, right? Like you kind mm-hmm. of have this hammer that's that's banging you into some sort of um, specific behavior that you have to take to like avoid getting strikes against you, avoid yeah. getting deranked, avoid getting demonetized, and maximize your visibility. And so, like you look at what comes out, and it's all kind of the same stuff with like the same kind of thumbnails, the same kind of like person that yeah. acts the same way and begs for likes. I don't know. Uh, the whole thing kind of, of course, rubs me wrong. I'm just curious what their side of the story is. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, it's, 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 I guess, reactionary for me to even be posting the video without trying to talk to them or something. Um, but I, that's, that's something that I find weird is because, like, I know that there are licenses that you can get to be able to do, uh, um, covers of songs yeah 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 um and and it seems weird to me because like the content that they post this particular group at least Mm -hmm. they are covers it's not like they put the actual recordings from joe hisashi or something right right um yeah so it's it's weird to me that that uh, bot would have ever discovered their stuff so maybe it wasn't a bot in this case maybe it was literally someone at ghibli who's like no we don't want people making money off our music maybe well is this a case like would they have just could they not have like did do you think they got approval from ghibli like i guess the answer is obviously not and so in that case what's the <laughs> i don't know like i'm curious now if they go and do a, a kickstarter um would if like if this was originating from ghibli would ghibli not also go hunt them down on kickstarter i don't know <laughs> like that's and they're very I, much they're very much saying fuck youtube not like fuck ghibli yeah, so yeah, yeah. I, i'm just i feel like there's there's holes in my understanding well, of what exactly well, happened here <laughs> Well, it's it's weird because like they part of what they're saying in this is that they got their copyright strike a year ago or something, and part of their complaint is specifically about YouTube because everything is automated. Yeah, yeah. Um, like like I, so, for example, like that Captain N video that we uploaded um, a week or so ago, mm-hmm. uh, we got a copyright claim on that. We did get and one. So, so we didn't get a strike; we got a claim, which means that ads have been placed on that. And uh, it was based off of basically a 15 second clip of like the intro itself. And if that little 15 second intro gets recognized by a machine, which it did, like the claim happened before the video went public. Like it it happened as it was uploading. Right. Um, Then someone else gets their way. And, and, I don't know how they can determine what is fair use and what's not fair use when they're looking at something like a little 15 second clip. Right. Um, like there's always the question of like, did, did uh, was our uh, little commentary of that show legal or not? Who knows? But I don't, I don't think you can have a robot 
determine that from a 15 second clip yeah. without any context. It's interesting. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, I, so in their case, like they, they had the claim and their, their complaint against YouTube is that the person that makes the claim has to like prove whether or not they own it or something. And you don't really get to participate in that judgment process, I guess. So it took them like over a year of like combating it before YouTube finally sided with them. Yeah. I'm actually curious. Uh, I mean, they, they did say they got it back. And yeah. so does, <laughs> I just am curious what the final story is or what the whole story is, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I did, there's, there's a, a guy I watch on YouTube frequently called Rick Beto. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's like a music producer, I believe, who's been in the industry for a long time. I don't know if he was like a session musician or what, but um, he does a lot of breakdowns on music theory and songs and stuff. Like, oh yeah, yeah. He'll, he'll actually... do like the Beatles or something, and he'll like explain all the chord progressions and stuff. Or, or like if there's a controversy of like this artist ripped off this artist, he'll like compare the two and like explain how they're similar or dissimilar and stuff. And yeah. Like, oh, it's it's a great channel, but he's had a few rants where he's had copyright strikes against him. <laughs> really, um, and I feel like his his cases are like totally um, fair use. The way Automated that he's doing stuff, generating strikes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, again, it's I'm not. It sucks because obviously, what's happening? I assume, anyways, that like Google is is taking side of enormous company, at mm-hmm. least initially, until things get worked out, and then kind of like, okay, here, little creator, here you go, here's your stuff back. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so right. like, there's a Rick Beto tweet he did earlier this year, and he says, after 790 videos and nearly five years of my channel, I received my first copyright strike for the car's... Uh, the strike is from UMG. I've come to a conclusion that it's a waste of time to talk about these older artists like he he keeps getting claims from like 60s like (laughs) like like people from the yeah the 60s and and 50s and stuff like modern artists tend to be pretty yeah uh with it but like the old artists like even when it's just like you're playing like 30 seconds and having like a big discussion on the theory of like why was this a a billboard number one hit or something they just like no it's my song i get the money from it uh, but he, so, but he, he, he sorry, I just ahead. want to follow up with his yeah. other tweets here. Um, so he said, the artist was already receiving all the money from my video. It's one thing to have a video blocked. A copyright strike is an escalation. Escalation. Three strikes would result in removal of my account. I'll be releasing a video about this today. I've never disputed a single claim on my channel citing fair use out of 99 episodes only two had been blocked fleetwood mac and simon and garfunkel neither one however did i receive a copyright strike for uh you can see that the strike was done manually not by a bot someone from the publisher did this deliberately the video has been pressed for weeks and had three hundred and fifty thousand views i never used twitter but i'm pissed um anyway I, i won't go further into that one i yeah i mean i'm i'm you're catching me uh, like I don't have the context again, but I would imagine like, like maybe if I was a musician, uh, you know, struggling a little bit, not like mm-hmm. already like in my seventies and laying on a pile yeah. of cash, <laughs> maybe I would be very sensitive to people uploading my entire song to YouTube randomly. Yeah. But uh, like someone uploading little ten-second clips or like little clips where there's it's like interspersed with talking and analysis, which is what I'm imagining. Yeah, uh, that's that's uh, totally doing. this guy. Yeah, I I would almost assume that would like I don't know, kind of like it'd be publicity in a way. Right? Like I I I'd have to. I'm not in that person's shoes, so I can't. It's hard yeah. for me to make that huge judgment call. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I it's <laughs> every time I hear about like someone who already has like millions of dollars fighting like a one-off creator because they like yeah. did a cover or something. It's such a weird thing to me. I, I don't know what motivates them to do that. Yeah. I, I find it's, I find the, the, the greed of people who are already millionaires to be 
fascinating in Crazy. a way. Yeah, like, like I mean, look, let's say so. Look at Simon and Garfunkel. I, I doubt that, yeah. like, you know, the artists themselves are like sitting at a computer, outraged, clicking stuff. It's probably the <laughs> publisher, and I guess maybe they just leave it to the publisher, and the publisher wants to be able to say, "Hey, guys, look, we found one. Look, look, or something." I, I don't know, or like some division of the publisher, yeah, or something. I don't know, but still, yeah. It's probably fairly like even the manual stuff is basically automated, right? It's just like there's a room of people handed uh, a set of instructions to just go banhammering everything that they see that you know could be considered yeah. whatever. But yeah, I, I I don't remember if it was him or someone else. I, I saw someone that had come up with like a solution to that, where so, they'll just they'll put like a, a little five second clip from like or 15 second clip or however long from like 10 different artists at the very end of the video or something. So it's like, then it automatically gets picked up by all 10. And because there's like so many competing claims, like nobody gets to monetize it. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice. 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 That's funny. It's, it's, it's it's funny like i i don't know i i feel like my attitude has changed on it over the years um i feel like you're right like the people that are playing posting like the full song and there's like no commentary or anything it's just literally there for you to listen to like probably mm-hmm. you'd be better off encouraging people to to buy the music or or go to a streaming service where like you're guaranteed that the artists are profiting from it or something. Right. Um, I've, uh, I, on the one hand feel like justified when the content is available through pirated means when it's not available anywhere else. Like, like old games. (laughs) Well, like if we go back to captain N, like you can't buy it. Like, is it actually out of print? It's out of print. Like you, you, you can't buy it. Um, it was a, it was a weird thing with emulation for a long time. Like in the late nineties into the two thousands and stuff, when everyone was emulating like NES games. Yeah. And Nintendo was absolutely vigilant about closing down all those sites. Yeah. And at the time, it was easy to say like, oh, well, you, these are not. We can't play these. We miss these games dearly. Yeah. And then it's like later now, Nintendo was doing like the virtual console and stuff and it's probably like they always planned to right so they're protecting their future interests or whatever but yeah, yeah. i don't know it's 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 a, a sucky thing <laughs> yeah i i almost i don't know i've i have some like maybe they're like kind of out there folks a little bit with some of their opinions but i have some like uh colleagues who are like completely anti-copyright they think copyrights should be illegal and they think like IP shouldn't even be something you can own and like other companies should have the right to other groups should have the right to like make yeah. their own sequels to your stuff, like all the way down to that level. And like, I'm not that extreme. Like I think it's kind of neat to have an IP that you can iterate on and not have other people dilute that. Right. But like, like, I don't know. It's kind of like the Mickey Mouse thing where like copyrights yeah. are like decades long is yeah. a little bit silly to me. So I, I don't know. It's hard to say. I, I guess it just feels weird. I can't really say this, but it just feels weird to me that like we got we got, we got yeah. three more years. Oh, wait, we're we're almost twenty twenty two now, aren't we? we three we more got, years to what? We got a little bit more than two years until Mickey Mouse is public domain. Uh, I'm sure Disney is fighting tooth and nail to extend that yeah. in some in some way. <laughs> Times a yeah. million billion. Um, but like, yeah, like Nintendo, kind of like like uh, continuing to earn money from like games they made 30 years ago. I mean, it's theirs, mm-hmm. right? But it's still kind of like, like a little weird to me, I guess. Just it's like, a, it's, it's a little weird to me because there's no royalties going to any of the developers. Exactly. Exactly. It's the it. company only. Right. And so yeah. a company like over the course of three decades, it's going to be virtually an entirely different crew of people working there. And they're just holding yeah. on to work. Someone else did because legally they own it. I mean, I know that yeah. other people have iterated and it's now a series. In some cases, like if I'm like ripping off Mario 1, you can say, well, we, Mario's our thing. But if I'm ripping off Game X no one has heard of from 1986, uh, it's just kind of weird, I guess. Hmm. Um, I 
I it's weird to me too. Like back to the like rich people thing or like mm-hmm. wealthy people like fighting the little guys. I was never like this big pirater, but of course, you know, everyone knows about Napster and knows what you could do with mm-hmm. it. And I remember um, uh, LimeWire, <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, but like famously Metallica, like went to absolute yeah. like hell and back fighting Napster and fighting against piracy. And it's just kind of interesting to me, I guess, like you have, you, you know, I know it's your songs, go for it, fight, like make your points, do all that stuff. But like, if I was Metallica, I mean, they're wealthy. <laughs> they, like, aren't they done? Like, like the way you and I think maybe, or certainly me, like I kind of have a number I'm aiming for. And once I have that much money, I'm done. Whatever. I'm done. I'm going <laughs> to chill out. I'm going to go and make comic books. So if I was no, Metallica, what's that? They don't have a number. They, they just, they want to be dragons with their horde. That's it, I guess. Like if I was Metallica, I'm sure I could wake up one day and be like, you know what? I'm not going to do anything for the rest of my life. I, I don't care. I'm just not going to do anything. And they're fine. They have enough money, right? Yeah. Um, like not even fine, but like, you know, I love Ferraris. I'm going to buy every Ferrari. Like I'm guessing probably still they could do that <laughs> without worrying, yeah. right? Like it's it's beyond fine. And yet you're fighting Napster because it's eating away some small amount at your bottom line. Like it just, I don't, I almost feel like the time spent doing that isn't even worth it. I'm, I'm, I'm reminded of his story and I, I just had to look up when we started doing our podcast this year to see if we'd already talked about it. And we didn't, uh, Hmm. in, in February 20th of this year, Twitch replaced live Metallica audio with hilarious folk music to avoid copyright. I remember that. (laughs) I remember that. Yeah. I do remember that. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but see there you go was it worth it right like yeah. you, you went through all that fighting to have your songs protected from napster or whatever and now everyone <laughs> you have this reputation everyone knows about it people will mock it it's part of internet lore like i don't know i don't know it's it's hilarious like it, it, it totally <laughs> wasn't even an intentional thing this is just like the robots doing what they've been programmed to do it's like <laughs> they they were the gaming oh, I actually platform. thought it was intentional, but that's even funnier. No. The, ga- <laughs> the gaming platform Twitch, which has had no shortage of music copyright problems in recent months, cut off the audio from Metallica's BlizzCon performance Friday due to legal concerns, replacing it with comically inappropriate <laughs> instrumental folk music. Oh, that the switch yeah. Came, <laughs> that the Switch came in the middle of Enter Sandman, one of the group's biggest hits, only made the disconnect more enraging and or hilarious. <laughs> So, okay. So, yeah, I'm starting to remember this. So, this was an actual performance by them. Yeah. This wasn't like like someone else's video with stuff in the, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. 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 Fantastic. <laughs> really just fantastic. Yeah. That's, uh, I, I feel like that's beautiful. Uh, but I bet they didn't learn anything from it. I, like, they got their paycheck from Blizzard. Oh, yeah. <laughs> went underway. Yeah. Yep. Definitely. It's a, it's a, it's a beautiful world. Um, we're coming up on time, I think. Yeah. I don't know if you have any uh, closing th- thoughts you want to to make on this, I, I personally ended up going in and backing the uh, the uh, Indiegogo campaign they made for their. Oh yeah. Does it look like? Does it look like it's going to get backed? Oh yeah, uh, let me look it up uh, quickly here. Uh, G R I S I N A. Um, I'm sure there's a link somewhere. Indiegogo, yeah, the the Ghibli album. So th- their campaign ends in 39 hours, and they're currently more than 110,000 uh, over their asking. 110,000. Okay, well, good for them. So, the, good so for they're them. at uh, 491% of what they asked for. Nice. Very nice. Good for them. One thing I'm, I'm, uh, I was confused about, like, they kind of, they said this is, they're going to fight fire with fire or whatever, but I don't really understand. Yeah. Like, I feel like YouTube, them, like, Google would just be like, whatever. Go yeah, ahead. yeah. Yeah, they're not, they're not fighting any fire. They're just capitalizing on, it's uh, kind on of, an it's, incident. And, and yeah. They're, they're, I mean, I, I think they're, it's good they're going to be explicitly earning money from it instead of, uh, you know, relying on, uh, ad revenue. Yeah. Um, I, I would, 
I would assume and hope that they are still paying their, their licensing fees to be allowed to do this in the first place. Yeah. Um, cause I, I know that there's a lot of musicians I listen to that do covers of stuff and, and they are using those. So it's, it's interesting in that way because as long as you're paying the license, the artist mm. has no say whether or not you're allowed to do a yeah. cover really. Yeah. I was, I always wonder, I know we're at time. Uh, I always wonder, um, uh, like how, how hefty those licensing fees are. Like I imagine it, it's kind of case by case for sure. But like, I know some small yeah. one-off people that are doing like cover bands and they get the licenses from these like big yeah. companies. So, I mean, it must be like at an individual level, like just a, a single band it must be affordable for, uh, at least for some cases. They they probably have to pay a royalty on it, so it's like. But you also need to negotiate the right to do it, don't you? Right, right. But it, but you, like that right is probably dependent on the royalty, so it's probably like a, a flat like, I don't know. Instead of paying like twenty dollars or something, it's like you agree that you're going to pay like five percent of whatever that song brings you. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Cool. All right. Um. I actually uh, I played some uh, some Sim City lately. Oh my <laughs> god! I was debating whether or not to embarrass you by asking you even if you ask. anything. See, Sim City is interesting because, <laughs> well, I mean, I was playing the Super Nintendo one, like of all of them to nice. play, right? Just because I had, <laughs> but uh, it's like five minutes of activity and then ten minutes of waiting, basically. Yeah. Because if you run out of money and you wait for the next uh, the next budget to pass or whatever, <laughs> so you can very, very easily play it and like do other things. I re- I remember when I rented that. Uh, it, it would have been around March break, nineteen ninety six, um, or nineteen yeah nineteen ninety six March break. Um, I rented that with a with a friend. He came over and and spent like the the weekend at, at my place. Mm-hmm. And um, we rented a 3DO and we rented the Super Nintendo and we realized how much time it was taking to just wait for stuff in SimCity. Mm-hmm. So we would leave the Super Nintendo running and just waiting and accumulating money the whole time we played the 3DO so that nice. <laughs> when we finished with Road Rash, we could go back and just have a ton of money to play with. Nice, nice. <laughs> it's like the only instance in history of someone deciding to choose the 3do over uh, the super nintendo <laughs> <laughs> i uh, i played SimCity for super nintendo before i had a super nintendo and it just at the time anyway it blew me away like this complex simulation right uh yeah. it just blew me away like i mean i we didn't have a computer at the time and i yeah. was coming off of like nes so i mean yeah something that could make this happen was just incredible for me although apparently i mean it's yeah, i think it was a fairly well-known news lately um they actually had a prototype for SimCity for the NES too, right? Did you see that? Yes. Yeah. No. Apparently, it plays decently well too. I think uh, from looking at just kind of like visually looking at it, maybe there's like some long wait times or something. But that's that's pretty impressive. Nice. Yeah. Well, I'm 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 glad to hear you've managed uh, some spare time this week. Uh, a little bit, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I I finished uh, um, Castlevania, whatever. My my brain's already purging <laughs> the the titles. There's so many Circles of the Good. Moons and Aria of Sorrow. Lord of Shadow, was it? Or Lord yeah, yeah, of- yeah. Lord, yeah, Lord of Shadows. Lords yeah. of Shadow. Okay. And uh, and 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 I I gotta admit, it's a really solid game. Cool. Um, if I had played that back in the day. There's a there's a good chance that would have uh, really be, be a memory game know, changed changed how excited I was to play 3D games. Oh wow! Um, cool. It was it's I don't you never played any of the Uncharted games, did you? I've played them. Uh, I never played through them. I think I actually own one because it was free on the the Sony like Pandemic Pack or whatever. I f- I feel like it's a cross between like an uncharted game uh and an old um level based mm. game like the the old castlevania ones where you had stages as opposed to uh, the metroidvania style sprawling map and uh finally with a bit of shadow of the colossus mixed in cool 
I, I cool. feel like it's a, a really of the Colossus too. interesting blend of uh, like climbing and, and fighting giant bosses and uh, exploring and stuff. It, it's uh, the, the story was interesting. Um, it, it was, cool. it was good. The, the camera was a little bit uh, frustrating as, uh, <laughs> as it is in many early 3d games, but yeah. um, all in all, I'd say it was pretty good. Cool. I have not played through a PS2 game in a while. That's PS3. PS3. I, my yeah. PS3 is broken, so that's oh, even farther well. away. You can you can buy it on Steam. Um, it's it, it, that is, I guess, the the one downside is I was playing it on PS3 and and the hardware was really uh, struggling to make <laughs> <Really>? demands. <laughs> uh, so so it, it was a pretty low frame rate at several sections of the game. Um, if you were to play it. I'd probably recommend it on uh, on PS4 or, uh, or uh, something modern. Cool. Good to know. I'm behind on my uh, my modern Castlevania. Yeah, <laughs> it was really good. I played um, back in the day, Lament of Innocence, and I I hated it. Um, so so it was interesting. This was uh, I think produced by Hideo Kojima. Oh yeah. Um, so it's it's got a little bit. I think I heard like a little bit of uh, uh, Metal Gear music as an Easter egg <laughs> at one point. Nice. I just uh, like the second of it. Yeah, sweet Lament of Innocence. I I never remember the titles. I just remember what system they were on. The it, it, they're both like origin stories. Both Lament of Innocence and uh, Lords of Shadow. It was Lament uh, of Innocence PlayStation? Lament. Uh, those PlayStation Two and that uh, origin okay. story is uh, canon, whereas this one is like a reboot of the franchise. I see. Cool, cool, cool. Glad you enjoyed it. Yeah, I I recommend it. It's a uh, I've I've played forty five games from start to finish this year, and I'd say that one's in the top five. Nice, nice, very nice. <laughs> At the end of the year, I'll have to do an, an episode where I just give like a 30 second review of every game I've played. Have it done and we can aim for 40 minutes <laughs> just to account for me blabbing and whatever else. Yeah. Cool, man. All right. Well, awesome on finishing the game. Let's wrap. All right. Have a good one. Cool. cool. Yeah. Take Until care. Next time.